All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Welcome to Love It or Leave It Out of the Closets into the Streets. Gotten backs, but you're still feeling down. We're still in a pandemic. Disinformation and lies abound. Those feelings aren't scientific. Red state bullshit gang you singing the blues. You wanna hop on a plane like Ted Cruz and fly away. We're going into the streets, yeah, yeah, yeah You know you gotta put your phone down now Discard those tweets Live shows up ahead, talking butts in seats Out of the closets and into the streets This is so exciting, we're back! I am very excited about this The long pandemic That incredible song was by our first-time theme song return player, Ethan Mathias. Great job, Ethan. That was awesome. If you have an out-of-the-closets-into-the-streets song for us, please send us one at leaveitatcrooked.com. They have been absolutely amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sending them. Before we get to the show, there is only one episode of Edith remaining, which means you have just enough time to binge the first seven episodes right now. You do not want to miss out on Edith, played by the incredible Rosamund Pike and written by, look, your friend and mine, the late Travis Helwig and Gonzalo Cordova. No, he's not dead. That's not right. (laughs) Dead to us. He's not dead. Check out Edith if you haven't listened to it. It is so funny. It is so smart. It is so well-written. It is so entertaining. Once you start, you won't be able to stop. So please, please, please check out Edith on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing. After a year of social distancing and working from home, we could all use a little help getting readjusted to normal life, whatever that is. That's why The Crooked Store is introducing its first book, The Crooked Guide to Societal Reentry, an illustrated 75-page book with everything you need to know for a seamless transition back into public life, life in public. It's written by the What A Day newsletter editor, Sarah Lazarus, who is hilarious. It's illustrated by Crooked's own Dayanita Ramesh, who serve as your mentors through hilarious tutorials and illustrations. Get a copy for yourself and all of your friends. It is an incredible book. It is so funny. You will love it. It's also, I think, this is just my take. A great gift. Just going to throw that out there. Just going to throw that out there at crooked.com slash store. On this week's show, I chew the fake meat fat with Bruce Friedrich of the Good Food Institute. We explore the Olympics in sound because they can't pull down sound we didn't license, probably. Even though if any of the uh, sensors are listening, is this from the Olympics? 
Is it from something else? You don't know. Therefore, leave us be, please. Leave us be. <laughs> we also decide the next benefit with Take Line's own, Jason Concepcion. Yes, we have that power. It's both a blessing and a curse. But first, here to offer me a sip of their metaphysical milkshake are my podcast comrades in arms, Rain Wilson and Reza Aslan. Nice to see you both. Hey, John. Hi, nice to see you. Thanks yum, for yum. Uh, having us over. Uh, thank you for <laughs> being here. Uh, love seeing you both. Love seeing you both together. Uh, for those listening at home, they are in front of uh, some sort of a void, a uh, black void. <laughs> yes. They are like uh, Zod <laughs> and the others. <laughs> We're oh just, my uh, God, we are Zod and the other two. I'll be the girl evil Superman. Oh, Zod, oh, that's the Zod, the Superman. Yeah. The X-Zone. Weren't they in that thing? Yes. That spinning thing? Yeah. yeah. Phantom Zone. Phantom Zone. Phantom Zone. Is that what it is? It's Phantom Zone. <laughs> um, that was from Matt DeGroot. I just want to say it wasn't me. Well, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt DeGroot. Matt DeGroot in the comments. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you both for being here. Here's how it works. Uh, I'm going to tell you some jokes of varying quality about the week's news. You can comment on them, add to them, subtract from them, like them, hate them. Falls in your court. <laughs> All right. Uh, wow. Okay. It's a lot of options. Let's, a lot of options. Let's get into it. What a week. As cases rise precipitously, oh man, this is, I'm starting, just, just, I'm coming in hot, all right? Just, I'm coming in, I'm coming in <laughs> white hot. Wow. Let's, I, you know, and I- You're starting I, with death. Let's get into it. What a week. As cases rise precipitously in unvaccinated areas of the country, Alabama's Republican Governor Kay Ivey declared that it's time to start blaming the unvaccinated folks. And I'm like, we are. It's just hard for them to hear us over the beeping of all the machines. Oh, I'm really Ouch. I, Let's just Ouch. start. Let's I'm just start kidding. right there. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, I was I was considering a tweet that I didn't do. Can I can I talk yes. about on this podcast a you tweet can. that I was not that I'm not going to tweet because I it. thought it was too far and your joke went even farther. That's which was like mm -hmm. for the unvaccinated, I feel like when they take their respirators out of their mouth at the hospital, they can say, I showed them. Well, <laughs> look, you know what I'll say? And I'll even tweet this. I don't care. I'll tweet it. Would you tweet that, what I just said? Maybe. I mean, you'd probably yes. phrase it better. I'll, yeah. Okay. I'll use more F words. Why aren't we just talking about this as a pandemic of the unvaccinated? We keep talking about it like, oh, it's a surge of COVID. Well, yeah, but yeah. only amongst the unvaccinated. Well, no, I, th I feel like putting joking aside, like here's, here's how I was thinking about it recently. And uh, to me, this made a lot of sense. Everyone is going to get vaccinated sooner or later. You're either going to get vaccinated from getting a shot in the arm or you're going to get vaccinated from getting and suffering from COVID and passing it on to your loved ones and vaccinating them with the white blood cells from actually getting the disease. That's just how it's going to work. Yes. And I do think that one of the challenges is that because we're all pundits now in a kind of <laughs> endless political conversation where we're not just citizens, but also observers of the system in a kind of constant state of meta analysis, there are two separate conversations that are worth having. One is how do we convince skeptical people who are skeptical for various reasons from various political persuasions to get vaccinated, for whatever cause of their resistance, whatever it may be. And then there's this other conversation like, hey, why are they like this? How did we get here? What is the moral yeah. consequence? Is it okay why do they not I, trust science? Why do they not trust science? Uh, is it okay to make fun of them? Is it okay to be to call people? It's everyone's a pundit, so it's like 
Sometimes the conversation is only about what's most helpful. And I agree, there's plenty of research about what's most helpful. And psychologists and doctors who have spent decades trying to figure out how to persuade skeptical people to get vaccinated, there's a lot of research on this about like how you appeal to people's identities, how you meet them where they are, how you talk about not just the fact that vaccines are safe and effective, but talk about the fact that life has risks and the disease has risks and vaccines have risks, but the disease is more risky than the vaccine. You know, like there's lots of ways to get at people's underlying sure. underlying fears but then there's no real space for those of us that are vaccine and super frustrated to be like this is driving me fucking nuts this is a miracle a miracle like what if it yeah. came down from the fucking mountain <laughs> with tablets <laughs> it is a miracle. a miracle but going down to the science thing it was interesting because as a kid in the late 70s and the 80s Science by both parties was revered. We put a man on the oh, moon. I remember those days. Science put a man on the Science cured polio. Mm -hmm. Science has created cell phones. Mm -hmm. you, you name it, there was this great awe of science. And so going to point two of uh, what you have brought up here, one really interesting conversation is why do people not trust science anymore and mm -hmm. how science works? How did we go backwards so much? How did we become as a people so unscientific? And the reason I'm bringing this up in this manner, John, is because our podcast, Metaphysical Milkshake, sorry for the lame oh, plug, no. is about life's big questions and kind of delving in. We have a podcast? Yes. Yes, Reza, we do. I'll tell you about it later. Huh. <laughs> um, but it's about, you know, addressing questions like this. How did we get here? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there's um, there was a story in Politico about uh, kind of a look at the vaccine hesitant anti-vaxxers at Lake of the Ozarks and the kind of obstinate denying of reality. There's a moment in the story where somebody they're at a restaurant and someone says, what's COVID? And everybody kind of chuckles. And then someone notes that somebody who worked at that restaurant died of COVID. <laughs> Yeah. And I do think like when I see that story, I think we have to talk about what leads people to denialism, but also the permission structure that creates it, encourages it, makes it an identity, makes it worth celebrating, sharing, not feeling kind of feeling proud of like that's these are people that are not just hesitant. They are proudly hesitant. It's part mm -hmm. of their identity now. And there is a there are many corporations built on instilling that fear and mistrust of institutions. And so we kind of have these two big problems. Like one is there are millions and millions of our fellow citizens who have become very conspiratorial and have made as part of their identity resistance to any kind of expertise. And there is a giant corporate apparatus that has fed off of that, perpetuated it, made it worse, built a business out of it, built a politics around it. Um, and they're they're obviously connected, but they're, you know, it's these are two of the yeah. biggest challenges we face as a, as a society. And it's everywhere. It's not just here. Mm. It's in the UK. It's around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Just to put the last word on this topic, I'm pretty sure it was Jesus who put that man on the moon. <laughs> not science. Just. Oh, OK. Yeah. I, I have... Look it up. Look, Look it up. like Trump and the vaccine. He didn't stand in the way. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Think about yeah. it. Good think about it. Are you thinking about it? <laughs> Thank you thinking. so much. I've already moved on to what, what the next joke might be. <laughs> Me, that's smart. That's smart. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, Capitol Law Enforcement and Metro Police testified about their experiences during the Capitol riot. Officer Harry Dunn compared the rioters to a hitman sent by Trump. If a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hired them does. There was an attack carried out on January 6th, and a hitman sent them. And it wasn't the sexy kind of hitman either, where you realize you and your spouse are assassins hired by competing agencies. It was the, uh, 
Yeah. It was the Trump kind. It wasn't Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. No, it was Trump. <clears throat> and you know, <laughs> and you know, by the way, that Trump would be if Trump hired a hitman, you'd be like, I didn't even pay the guy. What's this red dot on my chest? <laughs> Get this out of here. Brit Hume told Tucker Carlson. If the insurrection was covered the way the riots of last summer were covered, it would be described as mostly peaceful. I think to a great extent it was peaceful. Just a reminder that several people died and someone from New Jersey peed in Nancy Pelosi's office during the riot, which is absolutely horrible. Imagine having someone from New Jersey in your office. <laughs> Not for nothing, but well done. But do you I like remember? that. Jo- no, hold on, hold on. We got to go with the joke first, oh. and then we can have the commentary. Wow, on the, on the I'm gonna, wow. The joke works. Thank it you. landed. It was a great setup, and then it was the switcheroo. It mm-hmm. made it about New Jersey and not urine, mm-hmm. and I thought Thank it you. was expertly well You know, well there's played. nothing I like more than when Rain deeply analyzes a joke. Yes. It's my favorite. That's going to be my next podcast. Yeah, I love the double act that is you two. There is a say goodnight, Gracie, goodnight, Gracie <laughs> energy that I am really appreciating. <laughs> yeah. You're all over very, very it. I love it. Listen. Not for nothing. Just on a, I mean, I know there's a lot more important things to talk about uh, when it comes to, you know, the insurrectionists and, and everything that's involved in that. But do you remember when Brett Hume used to be a journalist? Like, I, I remember when I was a yeah. kid, Brett Hume was like an actual dude that you would listen to. I, right. That, that wasn't yeah. just me, right? Mm-hmm. No. That wasn't just a dream mm-hmm. I had? I think it's a dream he had. I remember very clearly. I remember when Brett Hume was on Match Game 76. Oh no, that was Brett that Brett was Ex- not, Eklund. No, Brett Eklund, somebody, um, yeah. a Swedish movie. I mean, this guy actor. I just dated myself. You didn't know. I, honestly, you didn't because zero people of any age got that reference. Yeah, I didn't. No one got that. I used to sit at home after school and watch Match Game seventy six. You don't remember that game show? I, no, I, you were too young. I remember Match young. Game. I remember Match Game seventy six on like it was a daytime repeat. I remember yes, that. Yes, Brett Eklund was a. <laughs> It was this terrible. Why did I even do that? I don't why know. not? Why not? Maybe do it? maybe the Brits like changed bodies. You know what I mean? In like some weird. Sure. Like they both peed in a fountain at the same time that there was lightning. Reza, yeah. what do you have to say to all of this talk about the insurrection being peaceful? Two say. words. Fuck you. That, that's all I have People to say. People died. Fuck you. Fuck you. I have eyes. I saw it. You saw it. We saw people hammering on law enforcement with fire extinguishers and we have on their faces. Police officers standing in front of Congress right now telling people that I almost died. And we're like, no, I mean, the guy's just making it up. He just wants attention, John. I think a lot about like the asymmetric way in which our media operates because there is no liberal equivalent of Fox News, nothing like it, nothing on its scale, nothing is influential. Uh, obviously, there are left wing podcasts and they do the worst they, they do the best they can with the tools yeah. they've been given uh carry the water but i always like i think about what the liberal version of fox news a true cynical left-wing propaganda outfit would be doing with these hearings because i think it's instructive and imagine what would happen if there were just there were weeks of coverage driving democratic talking points that basically said donald trump hitman who ordered attack on police and that for weeks and weeks the coverage was about Trump as hitman ordering attacks on police. And then slowly but surely, you start seeing in the polling more and more Americans concerned about Republicans' attacks on the police. And then Republicans are being asked, are you concerned about the fact that the Republican war on the police is going to cost them votes in the midterms? 
And, and you would start to see the build of what happens when we have someone on our side pushing against Republicans the way that we constantly face this onslaught. And we don't have it. And so these stories are so important. They're so outrageous. I think sometimes so many liberals, so many Democrats, so many progressives, they're constantly trying, they're drawing their fire wherever, they're pushing their fire wherever they can at the media, at mainstream sources, because they're, it just is like, a lot of times what liberals are saying, why doesn't this matter more? Mm -hmm. Why doesn't this matter more? Why is, is it your fault this doesn't matter more? Is it a bad headline that causes this not mm. to matter more? Why is, is it Nancy Pelosi's fault or Chuck Schumer's fault? Is it the DNC's fault that this doesn't matter more? And it doesn't matter more because we don't have the left-wing infrastructure to make things matter the way the right has. We just don't have it. And I think sometimes it gets boring to have that same conversation over and over again. They have Fox News and Facebook. We don't. They have Fox yep. News and Facebook. We don't. Yep. But so many of our problems, so many of our frustrating political problems are born of that missing counterbalance you know we're just not good at politics you're very Our side smart is not good at politics you're a very smart articulate human being i love that we point. had it it was called air america and it was a huge success <laughs> i want you to know something i want you to know something i'm glad you brought that up because you're looking at someone who was once a cockeyed 21 year old renting a one-bedroom apartment with his friend in new york city building a wall to make a second bedroom nice all right who bought a radio so that he could listen to the first day of Air oh, America wow. Radio wow. when Al Franken had B.B. Newworth pretend to be Ann Coulter locked in a closet. <laughs> and, I, and I got pizza from the place across the street because I was a temp paralegal and I didn't have to show up until the afternoon. And I remember listening in my little apartment while eating my pizza to Al Franken's first episode of that show. So and some good came out of Air America. It launched... Love it or leave it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Here's my philosophical theorizing for why what you said is absolutely true. And it's like the heart of most of the problems that we are dealing with right now. I think that on the right, that conservative mindset is all about certainty, black and white, right and wrong, truth and falsehood. And so it's very easy to tell that person, this is true. That is not true. This is right. That is not right. Listen to this person. Don't listen to that person. It's very easy because the mindset is already there. On the left, people tend to be a little bit more open-minded, a little bit broader. Mm -hmm. um, we're more pluralistic. You Nuanced, know? perhaps. Yeah. Uh, very few of us would say, well, yeah, I believe that this is more right than that. But, you know, I mean, I'm open to other ideas. So if you had a channel, the purpose of which was to say, this left viewpoint is right, 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 right. Even if I agreed with it, I wouldn't listen yeah. because I'd be like, well, yes, but, you know, there's no I think other ways of thinking about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the, the left, the left itself, the, the mindset doesn't lend itself to your supposition, John, about like hammering home certainty week in, week out in a series of talking points. It's absolutely true. And it is why right wing radio has succeeded where left wing radio has failed. There are people that are looking for that kind of rigid analysis and confirmation, whereas on the left, I think you're right. There, you know, there are studies that look at just the difference between left and right brains. And every value of liberalism or conservatism, honestly, taken to its extreme becomes a vice. Open-mindedness can become, of course, a vice. But you're right that there is this kind of, I mean, it's an authoritarian mindset and it's gotten worse and worse, which is basically a kind of rigidity, a closeness, a desire for easy answers that is kind of, mm -hmm. ugh, I'm going to say the word that everyone makes fun of me for saying too frequently, ensorcelled many people. On the I don't right. know what that means. I don't know what that is. I, I don't. 
I feel like I, I had ensorcelled once, but I used this cream. I'm I'm so glad they mock you for saying that word because it's it's a ridiculous word. You just made that. Up. <laughs> That's not a real after word. Tuesday's yeah. hearing. We got. I'm I'm honestly we're having such a great conversation. I'm skipping a lot of these. You know, honestly, some of the weaker <laughs> stuff. After Tuesday's hearing, Matt, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, and Louis Gohmert uh, tried to peddle some of their hot, fresh, delicious horse shit about January six. Only to have their presser ruined by a man with a whistle. Eventually, Gates fled the presser, only to face a barrage of questions about his alleged pedophilia, at which point he was like, where's my friend with the whistle? Uh, anyway. <laughs> I saw that, by the way. Here to comment. <laughs> anyway, here to comment, we have the whistle guy. Now, you, he's over here. He's off screen. You prevented two of the worst human beings on Earth from spreading misinformation and dangerous propaganda. Yet, in a free society, don't we believe that even the most heinous people deserve the chance? That even the most heinous people should not be interrupted. I'm, this was a mistake. The whistle guy, everybody. <laughs> whistle guy, everyone. Whistle guy. Thank you. That was uh, that was almost a sketch, in a way. That was a little sketch. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Was good. That was yeah. really good. You guys rehearsed that though, right? Um, yeah. I didn't think I, I about think what it would I, feel like to have you seeing me while this happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you wanted to do a whistle guy sketch, there's a lot of different ways you could have gone, and you could have done a lot better than that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I mean, if you're open to taking notes, that's all. What if the I whistle am. guy was a giant talking, walking whistle? Was that's actually hilarious. A whistle oh, with yeah. That's hilarious. But yeah. to, that's hilarious. But you'd have to have a budget for that. We don't have the budget. Like a that. dancing whistle. That's yeah, that's, that, that costs <laughs> this money. Is a, this is that a mad TV. Money. We don't have that kind of money. Uh, <laughs> also, this week, sadly, Simone Biles had to drop out of the Olympics to preserve her mental mm. health. Even sadder, the internet had opinions about it. Turns out, no one understands. The complexity of Simone Biles' decision better than middle-aged men who tweet all day. And I would just want to point out, no one who tweets all day can call anyone on earth a quitter because every <laughs> single tweet is a surrender. Every single tweet is an admission <laughs> that you are not doing something more substantive and yeah. important and valuable with your time. Every tweet is giving up. Yeah. Every Very single true. fucking one. <laughs> Everyone, including... Crazy. The tweet where I wrote this joke. <laughs> it's true. And then recycled it here. That's cr It's true. So you pulled a Twitter joke and you you expanded on it mm -hmm. and used it for your podcast. You know what? Mm -hmm. I, I don't tweet anymore. I whoop, which is tweeting while pooping. Oh. Mm -hmm. So it's great. Like it's a perfect mm – -hmm. if, you, if you look at my timeline, they you'll go see hand like in hand. all of my tweets happen, you know, in bunches. Uh-huh. I poop a lot. Wow. I poop a lot. Yeah. I have a very clean cold. Um, you have like healthy. five five tweets in an eight minute period and then they are done. Eight minutes. Give me your doctor's number. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What are you? Seventeen? Eight minutes. <laughs> Is there gin in that cup? Because you're you're turning you're turning a little uh, bit into a borscht belt comedian. I, honestly, that it, I can do that eight with minutes. Eight, yeah. <laughs> also, I just want to be clear that at several points today, I am going to make a joke about Simone Biles uh, not participating. And I just want to be on the record with my actual view, which is it's sad she felt she had to do this. It looks like it felt absolutely awful. It takes genuine courage to admit when you're not in a position to participate in something you've trained your whole life to be a part of. I will also say a lot of liberals have been tweeting like they're crossing the fucking Delaware. <laughs> yeah. You go, girl. Like these like cringe tone poems. None of us will ever be as good at anything as Simone Biles is at gymnastics. Mm -hmm. And so, well, that, that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, Sorry. I am good at acting, but I'm really like the good. 473rd really 
best act. No, hold on. Really I'm like good. the 473rd best actor in the world. Um, She's like the, the number office. one GOAT best yeah. actor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's not even close. She does things that I wouldn't are even make it not in the, even allowed. If, she has moves that you're not even allowed to do. She does them for fun. She doesn't like, yeah. they don't even get graded. And she's like, yeah, but I'm just going to do it she's anyway. She's invented like 11 gymnastics moves. So uh, she can do whatever the fuck she wants to is what I'm trying to say. I totally agree. And I do think the people say, calling our country soft are calling her a quitter over this. When these are some of the softest fucking boys in the history of planet Earth, just just cotton candy melting the rain, barely solid. Like you get it, they're soft. They're soft boys. Yeah, yeah. look at Tucker Carlson. I mean, he he became famous because of his bow tie. Mm-hmm. He became yeah. famous because of a bow tie, and he's That's calling fine. her soft. Heir to a frozen food fortune, which yeah. I think is cool. Tucker, which I think is cool. By the way, yeah, does he get as much frozen food as he can? Wants to eat? That would be amazing. That'd be so Get a cool. Freezer stock with like chicken fingers. Uh, we might need Matt DeGroot for this one, but as absurd <laughs> as Tucker's name is, mm-hmm. like, what's his his brother's names are yes. even dumber. It's something like Biscuit Carlson. No, it's, <laughs> it's not biscuit. that. It's Biscuit. It's like it's it's Hunter Biscuit Buck- Buckley Buckley Carlson. Buckley. That's what it is. Buckley is not a real person's name. That's, That's like the name, name that That's you hard. give a character in a screenplay. A Talk dog. about hard old school hard buckley swanson pack carlson peck carlson that's a good thank name. you matt DeGroote. that's a cool name i like that yeah that's a guy you want to golf with you know <laughs> <laughs> a new ad for burberry features a shirtless adam driver racing a horse into the ocean before emerging as a centaur sending the internet into a horny panic the weirdest part of the ad is when the adam driver centaur fucks the lena dunham centaur I, it was incredibly Oof. graphic wow incredibly yeah. graphic really? that went to it just went a little yeah. a little too far and i'm not sure that's how centaur sex works yes how do you think <laughs> that was my question what do we do this is this like horses or is this like people you know what i mean like are we sure that it the genitals are on the back of the horse form exactly or are the genitals in the front of the human portion like or, no one or both we don't know this we don't also know what that. about foreplay like how can you i mean do you nuzzle what do you do couple couple of rings couple of runs around the track <laughs> i don't know horse sex is surprisingly violent like they just kind of like pummel each other with hooves and then go what, at it what is all this horse sex you're watching what are you talking when about? is this coming up for it, you don't guys, <laughs> in front of john here don't say stuff like that it's also surprisingly violent. What kind of sensual experience did you think you were going to watch? <laughs> I lost. I lost my virginity to a stallion. I just to like, an actual stallion. Unlike our uh, podcast, he's got an audience. Like people listen to this. You can't talk about horse sex. I don't know very much about Equus. This is all going to be cut. This is all going to be edited. Yeah, none of this is. None of this is. We're just releasing this part. We're cutting it down to just these 30 seconds. We actually just find the best 30 seconds and release that, and it's this part. It's this part. And this has been so much fun. And finally, and finally, Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney for releasing Black Widow in theaters and on Disney Plus simultaneously, which she says is a breach of her contract. It is so messed up that we always expect women of color to fight our toughest battles for us. You can play Ghost in the Shell. She puts in Ghost in the Shell. And I got that reference. That was good. Yeah. Oh, really um, good. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I think it's cool to sue, sue Disney. I'm not speaking to the merits of it. I just think it's such a cool company to sue. I bet a lot of cool people have sued Disney over the years, you know? Because Disney has sued 
everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone, it's kind of like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, like mm -hmm. someone that you know has been sued by Disney at some point in time. Yeah. I have a lot of things to say about Disney, but I'm just going to keep them to myself because I live in Los Angeles and, you know, you never know. It's kind of like Scientology. You can't really badmouth it because you're afraid. Yeah, like, I can talk shit about Scientology, are. but. I mean, Scientology is not going to buy a spec script. I love Disney and I love everything exactly. Disney's doing. And I think Disney, <laughs> yes. my personal view on the, just to be clear, my personal view on the lawsuit is I think everything Disney is doing is really smart. And I like the fact that one company owns ABC and Fox now. I don't, I think that's really cool. I think there should just be like one studio. It's simpler. It's simpler. You make just, it so much simpler. I think it's super simpler. Yeah. I think it's much better if basically, you know, you move to LA and you have an idea for a script and you go to the one person who decides what we make. And if they don't like yeah. it, you go back to where you're from. I think I'm, that's how I'm it should be. I'm all in on Disney. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's really mm -hmm. good. Here's what I have to say about the whole streaming thing, though, just in general. There isn't a movie theater in the world more comfortable than my couch. Who is your paid laughing audience there? Of the, was that the, paid is the emphasis. One, uh, is that the PA? Uh, it's it's who Kendra also and Hallie. Was the whistle person? I should just flag, they are new. Can Kendra and, uh, come on the camera? Can we say <laughs> hi to Kendra, please? <laughs> she did. Kendra, do you want to, to. Do you want to just wave, Kendra? She, John doesn't want you. anyone else on um, camera. For for a, can she come in through? Thanks there. so much what? for making there. us believe that. <laughs> oh, hi! There she is. There, there she is. There she is. Mm -hmm. You happy now? You've made a person get yes. up, walk across the room, wave to you. <laughs> anything else you need? Is there anything else can we get for the four hundred and seventy third best actor in Los Angeles? <laughs> who's four seventy? A little who's respect. Four, who's four seventy? A little respect. Four seventy two is the Geico Gecko. <laughs> If I, I almost nailed it. I almost fucking had it. I fucking got stuck on Geico Gecko. Uh, if I had said it right, it was good. Uh, it, was it was good. It was good. This was, was so good. much fun. It was fun. good that you kind of broke while doing it. Yeah. Uh, everybody check Actually, out. Actually, 472 is Joshua Jackson. 471 <laughs> is Tony Hale. Uh -huh. 470 is that caveman is, from uh, Geico. <laughs> the, the Geico <laughs> caveman. Yep. Yeah. Who was played by Nick Kroll originally in the original commercial? So Did Nick not Kroll, know that. Did some, not yep. know that. They're all incrementally better actors. Uh, than me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Uh, Reza Aslan, yeah. Rain Wilson. Everybody, check out Metaphysical Milkshake. What a delight it's been to talk to you both. This was so much fun. Uh, when we come back, Jason Concepcion is here for a celebrity uncouple recouple bracket that you will not want to miss. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. <laughs> Pushing it all the way down. Getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. Gotta fight through it. Skinny jeans are for dads. Fight it. You fight it. You push it down. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. <laughs> when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Not me. Not me. I'm running on rails. <laughs> Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, I just feel like I don't have the, the, the attention span right now to focus on some of these longer term issues. And she's mm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. <laughs> If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm -hmm. We all need therapy. Mm -hmm. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love it. And we're back. We'll always remember Woo! where we were when we found out that Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were back together. <laughs> we'll always remember where we were when we found out because we were on the toilet because that's where we look at Instagram. It's been 17 years since Bennifer consciously uncoupled and we here at Love It or Leave It decided it's time to look at what famous romantic duos mm. should make a society-shattering comeback, in part inspired by uh, viral tweet creator <laughs> on this very topic. Famous. I've done it again. The man understands the deeper rhythms of the internet. For him, going viral is a way of life. He also <laughs> hosts TakeLine and all caps right. MBA. Please welcome back returning champion Jason Concepcion. Jason, thank you for being here. Hello. It's wonderful to be here. Um, yeah, the, um, I've just I've gone viral again. Who knows how these things happen? Uh, I don't know. I remember one time a person I know we were arguing about social media, and they and he was like, "Listen, I've got a master's in this." I'm like, "Okay," and I take two edibles and then tweet, and I get thirty thousand faves. So you tell me like yeah. what that means? Yeah, talk about fine arts, you know? Yeah, come on. We are going to look at eight iconic former couples, and they will battle that out for a comeback in a segment we're calling The X Games. Ooh! Because they're exes. Is that what? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. They're Thank exes. You for they're, that up. I left my exes in Texas. You know? I don't even think that's the lyric. I thought they meant they, uh, they took ecstasy, which is a, what they used to call Molly, but now they, talk, they call it Molly. I, I really like the um, ecstasy to Molly rebrand because it was like. Who's the agency, you know? But it worked. Fun fact for those of uh, us that were there in the culture at the time, the transitory name was Molecule. Wow. Yeah. people. I remember people saying Molecule. Like, what the fuck is a Molecule? And then that became Molly somehow, which is better. Wow. What a cool person you were. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. Hey, and that's one thing. If there's one thing that you take away from this segment about famous <laughs> former do couples... It. Don't do drugs. That's right. Uh, actually, do honestly, jokes aside, yeah, don't do drugs is at the core of a lot of what went wrong in many of these circumstances. Let's just be honest. Sometimes that does happen. Yes. I, yeah. I would say, to me, it seems as though the two biggest reasons for celebrity couple dissolution, beyond the ordinary ways in which it is difficult for two human beings to mm -hmm. make a life together in this complicated world of ours... It's a tough competition between one person just did much better and the other couldn't take it and drugs well, uh, and or that, drugs. <laughs> that, does, that is an unfortunate thing with these high-powered couples. You know, uh, if one person isn't pulling their weight, I mean, the, the animosity can come from either end, right? Either the, the more successful one can be like, what are you doing? I'm, not, I'm, here, I'm supporting you all of a sudden. And then the less successful person might feel bad about it. There's a lot of things that can happen. Uh, that being said, I'm pulling for every celeb couple out there. Wishing yeah, them the best. That's that's the one thing we also like. Our thoughts are with them at all times. Yeah. The other thing I would just say, one piece of advice before we get to the actual uh, contest itself: if you win an Emmy or an Academy Award, you got to thank them. Uh, nothing has predicted more divorces than the when they accidentally forget on the big stage <laughs> and do the thank you at the press conference oh. in the backstage. It's like, that is a ticking time bomb. That is a divorce lawyer. A divorce lawyer sees that and just puts a card under the door. 
puts a card under the uh, the Porsche Cayenne's windshield wiper, you know, and says, "Give me a give me a buzz." The famous version, I think, uh, would be Hillary, Hillary Swank. Swank and come uh, on, I got it. You got it. Come and on, Chad, Chad and Lowe. Chad Lowe. Chad Lowe. Yeah. Now, the question is, was that a sign of existing trouble? Mm-hmm. Or a harbinger of things to come. It's unclear. Unclear. Uh, but that was a very, very famous and notable moment. Yeah, we don't know. That that could be a classic correlation, not causation situation. It was like years later that they got divorced. Like, right? I, 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 may be, I may be conflating stuff, but I thought that it was like a lot later. Regardless. Right. It was the cause. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If your husband or wife or spouse wins an Academy Award and forgets to thank you, you can be the most egoless, zen, self-actualized. Fucking flip You will hold it on. It will grow like a little tiny evil bonsai tree in your heart until. Never stopping. Until. Untended. It breaks, you know. But that's not why we're here today. That's right. We're here today to talk about the greatest former celebrity couples of all time and which is the couple we wish could get back together the most. We have an Elite Eight, and we will share it with you in a moment. Before we get to that Elite Eight, Jason, who are some couples that didn't make the cut that you think deserve a mention? Samantha Ronson and Lindsay Lohan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That might only have been a couple weeks in real time, but that was a big couple weeks. That was a huge moment. I was pulling for those crazy kids. Um, Alexa Chung and Alex Turner of the... The Arctic Monkeys. So Alexa Chung, former MTV VJ, Alex Turner, he wrote her, just look it up. He wrote her a besotted love letter early in their relish that is still inspiring millions today. It was devastating when they broke up. I love musician celebrity couples. So Fabrizio Moretti from The Strokes with uh, Kristen Wiig. That was fantastic. I love that one. What about you? What do you got? I think there's two classic celebrity couples that we obviously failed to include. O.J. Simpson and Nicole Brown Simpson. Oh, my so God. How, how so could sorry. you? It was how honestly so that? hard to say. How it was could you so do that? hard to say. How could you do it? How could you, how could you do it? I'm really sorry. <laughs> that was truly, I, how I, could you as do As I it? said it, as I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here, let me tell you what the path was. Here was the path. What I was actually yeah, going to okay. say is Courtney Love is disqualified because she killed Kurt Cobain. Okay. <laughs> and I kind of realized mid entry, because once you threw me the ball, I was like, I get to throw this one time. Right. And then all of a sudden, I found myself going down this darker path and I couldn't turn around. I couldn't get back uh, to where I had started. I couldn't get home. I just didn't know how to get home. Yeah. Is what happened to me. In that sentence, um, should, I guess like I'm sorry, should I'm, I lighten I, it and just say Kristen Wiig and Robert Pattinson? <laughs> I wish that. <laughs> get us back! Get us back! Get us back! I've ruined the segment, the show, potentially my career. Let's keep moving. Robert Pattinson and FKA Twigs. Whoa, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good I one. I love that one too. Robert I Pattinson. Did, I was pulling for them. What an appeal he has. He, he's a talented young man. Let's kick it off. Yeah, let's go. Here are the couples we have. On the celebrity couple bracket in the X game, I'm going to run through them all. Then we're going to take the we're going to do the competition. We have Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling. We have Ellen DeGeneres Ugh. and Anne Heche. 
We have Jamie Foxx <laughs> and Katie Holmes. I love that. Judy one. Garland and Vincent Minnelli. Great Kim one. Kardashian and Kanye West. Cleopatra and Mark Antony. An oldie but a goodie. Famous celebrity couple. I guess celeb is sure. I mean, they were celebrities for sure. By for what sure. standard are they not huge fucking celebrities? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, sure. Tell me. I think that they. All uh, right. It's the year 35 BC. They're coming out of uh, Craig's equivalent in Cairo. <laughs> right. It would have been Alexandria at that time, but okay. yes. You're right. This fucking I guy. think that. Uh, well, I, I, <laughs> my, my one slight mm-hmm. pushback would be that a true celeb is on some level famous for being famous, or famous as a result of some kind of very entertaining thing that they do. Mm-hmm. Whereas Cleopatra was, you know, the uh, head of state of the Egyptian client kingdom. Uh, to Rome, and then Mark Antony was like whatever the fuck he was at that particular time, like the the fucking governor of how do you Egypt or something? This guy, how do you? I don't know. I, let's go. We'll read the Wikipedia. Well, he had split the empire with Augustus, and then was like, "I'm going to Egypt because that's where all the grain is." Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada. And then they had a, and then Augustus after a while was like, "This can't stand, and we're gonna kill you." Um, but I think, but that's fine. We'll let it go. Certainly, they're they are they're <laughs> celebs now. Yeah. And they have a love that has lasted uh, for thousands of years. Famously. Yes. I will concede you're right. In some sense, they were more kind of politicians. Right. Uh, with mixed records at best, if we're being honest. <laughs> Very mixed. <laughs> but in the same way in the same way that once Woodward and Bernstein became the leads played by Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford, right. they became celebrities in perpetuity. Once William Shakespeare puts you as the protagonist, you're famous. You're just a fucking big-time celeb. It didn't matter what they did after that. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. You know? Like like Zuckerberg and the social network. You're right. Like Zuckerberg and the social network. You know? You're right. Because obviously, I personally view Aaron Sorkin as the Shakespeare of now. Couple of things you need to know about me. Couple of things you need to know about me. I think Aaron Shorkin is our Shakespeare, and I think Simone Biles is a quitter. Those are the two things that you need to know. Oh my God. Wow. Incredible. I don't. Incredible napalm (laughs) takes being dropped on this piece of content today. Am I just sick of my life? What else do I want? (laughs) What what am I trying to do? I don't mean it. I'm obviously kidding. I'm kidding, please. Can I just say that uh, that I think the one of the worst, probably the worst thing that happened to Woodward's career was that Robert Redford was cast as him in the movie. <laughs> I, I think it messed him up. I think it messed him up for the rest of his life. I think the hardest part of Woodward's career has been dragging around Carl Bernstein like a fucking sack full of bricks for the last forty years. I mean, they just put, their names are together because of J School, not necessarily because of any kind of like professional ongoing relationship. Right, right, right. Uh, all right, let's hit. <laughs> Back to our segment. We got to keep moving. Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling versus Ellen DeGeneres and Anne Heche. Who would we rather see back together? Reminder, Rachel and Ryan, they met while starring in 2004's The Notebook. Ellen and Anne met at the 1997 Vanity Fair Oscar party. Anne Heche was on Dancing with the Stars in 2020. And Heche says that 20th Century Fox effectively fired her. After she brought Ellen to the premiere of the 1997 film Volcano, it wasn't homophobic. They just really regretted greenlighting Volcano. 
Oh, um, I have to say, for me, it's not hard. I'll just be honest. I think this is an easy call. Oh, oh this is chalk, absolutely chalk. Because I'm, well, let's hear where you. I'm, I'm fascinated to see where you'll go because you have, you've dropped some real wild ones today. So I guess like it's hard <laughs> to figure out where you're coming from. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think here's my view. Yes, there's. I see why it would be romantic to see Rachel and Ryan back together, but oh, purely okay. for the fun of it. Especially because sure. because it ended up, I, I believe, with Anne Heche chasing cars on a freeway and making six days, seven nights with Harrison Ford. We got to get that Ellen and Saw it in the energy theater. back together. God, nothing. Yes. That, what a, six days, seven six nights. Days That's how long nights. it felt. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh man. So you're going a, a degenerous Heche. Yeah, I want to see that. I want that. That that was lightning in a bottle. That that to me. I can look, I, two beautiful I, okay, movie listen, stars dating, whatever. I believe Haish was recently quoted as saying that Ellen didn't like it when she dressed, quote, sexy. I don't want that for her to continue. I agree with you, though, that to quote uh, a terrible person on Twitter, it's great content, but terrible for our country if they get back together. Um, yeah, I, I have to go McAdams and Gosling. I think they have a love that it uh, continues to inspire their kiss at the 2000 whatever it was MTV uh, movie awards. How dare they do that and then break up? Okay, that's you know all what? I'm saying. Now they are both they are both in committed relationships now, and I wish them the best. But I, if they got back together, I would not be sad. All right, you know what? You've persuaded me. I've obviously going for laughs, but you're going for love. Going for love, laughs. you know. As I as I learned from um, uh, yard signs, that's the things like I believe in science. I know I do know that love wins. Uh, that's just something really important to a lot of people. That love would wins. Like the phrase of real meaning. Yeah. Uh, in this house, love wins. Uh, love wins. So Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams, move on to the final four. Next up, Jamie Foxx and Katie Holmes wow. versus Judy Garland and Vincent Minnelli. <laughs> Uh, one demerit on the Judy and Vincent side, he was very clearly gay, yeah. <laughs> um, which obviously posed challenges to their to their relationship. But on the other hand, come on, Liza Minnelli, pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool, a classic couple, one of the all-time greats, and of course they gave us Liza Minnelli. Jamie Foxx and Katie Holmes, I remember when that emerged, it was like a what? Really? It was almost like you needed, I needed the pap photos because I didn't, I was like, how did they meet? This is so crazy and awesome. And lasted, by the way, this wasn't a flash in the pan. This was a slow roast. They went for a while. The ju- they were soaking in the juices. I'm going to say, and this is not a measure of my feelings for Jamie Foxx and Kenny Holmes, but I'm going to say Garland and Minnelli. Wow. Um, hopefully it'll be the kind of relationship in which both people can feel that they can be who they are. Yes. I don't know what that means for them, but whatever that is feels true to them, I hope that that manifests itself. And the only reason is because Fox and Holmes, while it was super cool, they didn't give us a lot. They were very private. We didn't get a lot of it. Sometimes two celebrities do not form a celebrity couple. They're just a couple. Yeah, just a couple. They're not interested in being a part of our story. Yeah. And honestly, because of that, we're going to respect them and not try to be a I part of theirs. It. You know? That's right. So we're going to move all, all about respect. Judy Garland and Vincent Minnelli, obviously a relationship with many um, uh, positive <laughs> and negative consequences for them as individuals and their progeny. A, a troubled lineage, to say the least, but talented. Uh, next up, we've got Kim Kardashian and Kanye West uh, versus <laughs> the OG. The OG. The Kim and Kanye. 
of ancient yeah. Egypt and Greece, Cleopatra and Mark Antony, Marcus Antonius. Wow. In the original, I don't know, Latin, Greek, whatever. Both couples obviously very uh, involved in politics. Famously. Um, to, to various degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Both um, dealt with a uh, Caesar-like figure in yes. some sense. Um, uh, Kim Kardashian's people hail from lands which at that time were ruled by the Roman Empire, so there's a lot of correlation there. I'd love to, I'd love to hear what you think first. Where, where, where's your head at? This is a bracket that I would describe as a question about impossible love. Right. About right. about couples that seem as though they cannot be and yet somehow persist. Yeah. Despite the wreckage <laughs> and ruin that happens all around them. Right. Like, I remember when I first heard that Kim Kardashian and Kanye West were a couple, and I my thought was like, that is fake. That is a fake thing. Really? That can, I mean, not that they aren't really a couple, but that they are doing it as some kind of a performative right. version of press garnering, attention seeking, right. brand building, right. courtship for our eyes and no one else's, right. not even their own. But that right. is not true. Right. Because they've built a family and it's actually a very serious and sad situation. That the reality of their actual lives is not a tabloid story. It's a personal and actually quite sad story at this point. You know, I had a similar but different reaction about Kardashian West. I thought, oh, that makes sense. That tracks. That feels like that's been coming for a while. But I agreed at the time. I did agree with you. I did feel like, you know, much like Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello. This is for the cameras. Right. This is for the cameras on some level. Um, this is a, a creation to like create buzz for whatever. But in good conscience, I can't put them back together. I think Kanye is going through it right now. Yep, yep, yep. Whatever it is, I hope that he's getting help for it. Uh, he is currently living in the Atlanta Falcons Stadium. Which is very chill and cool. To, in order to record his record, uh, a friend of mine tweeted, men will literally live in the Atlanta Falcons Stadium instead of going to therapy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I think is a literally what is happening. I'm going to pick the murder-suicide couple that you did include in the bracket, Cleopatra and Mark Antony. That is my vote for this bracket. Again, a, a classic couple that inspires us throughout the ages, and they've just got a lot of brand recognition. You want to talk about a brand? How about a brand that has existed for 2,000 years? Cleopatra and Mark Antony. Uh, totally agree. And also, on uh, one piece of this, not often uh, given the attention it deserves, it was a lot about how hot they were, uh, and that was an important part of it, too. These were hot people having a hot time. I always wonder about, like, hot in the ancient times, because wouldn't that just mean, like, you have two of your teeth? That's what I was about <laughs> to know, say. Like... like, full smile, vaguely <laughs> right. symmetrical, no, like, <laughs> no injury caused a permanent facial issue <laughs> right. that today we'd resolve with, like, you know, a week of tetracycline. And right. back then it was like, this is my whole life. Right. It's like, this is my, my whole life is based on this thing that you kill with tetracycline for now. And they were like, ah, let's give it to the pigs. Yeah. They would just bleed you for like three days and that would take out the illness. And I guess my one other, one other, you know, shout out to getting killed by a snake um, as uh, whether it's true or not. It's pretty fucking cool. Whether it's true or not. That's a story. Yeah. Like, how'd you die? Snake. How'd you do? I had a stroke. An asp. Snooze alert. 
I got bit by a fucking asp in a pyramid. <laughs> Man, this is uh, shaping up to be a fantastic final four. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but before we get, we have one more round to get us there. We have Lisa Binet and Lenny Kravitz Woof. versus Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra. Lisa Binet, uh, now, of course, married to Jason Momoa. Um, so kind of a tough couple to break up. Honestly, very scary uh, to invite the wrath of Momoa. In terms of hotness, Binet is like, has anyone ever crushed it like Binet? Uh, Binet is batting a fucking thousand right yeah. now. What a cool person. Be like, I'm going to end things with, with Lenny Kravitz, but it probably means my next relationship is not going to be necessarily as never mind. Right. I found someone, uh, yeah. no pun intended, pretty splashy. Ah. <laughs> because he's Aquaman. That's right. Because he's Aquaman. Obviously based on the IP uh, entourage. That's right. This is an easy one for me. Yeah, this obviously, is because dead easy. Let's just let's. I mean, <laughs> this to me they're so the, hot. Yeah, it's like, can we just watch them? They're two extremely hot people, and their child, uh, who they created with that enhanced, super hot, super talented DNA, is Zoe Kravitz, who, by any measure, is extremely beautiful and talented as well. I would bathe in their bathwater, Lisa Binet and Lenny Kravitz. Um, Let's get it back together. Let's get it going. Sorry, that's incorrect. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. I what? just I just checked the I checked with the judges, and actually, the fact that Dennis Robin and Carmen Electra eloped and sought annulment after nine days uh, <laughs> means that, unfortunately, due to the rules, which are oh, obviously available fine. online for all to see before we do this. Again, obviously, I know people are surprised by some of these outcomes, but these were the rules everyone agreed to, which is why I think Shakari Richardson received the appropriate penalty. Yeah, that's right. I said it. I don't say, I don't mean it. Please don't. I'm just I'm sorry. Oh my god. That's my third one. That's my third one. I'm so dead. I don't mean it. 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 Please. Oh my please. god. I have a family. I have a dog. Honestly, like we all know Ronan can in a blink of an eye find someone better. I can't. Please let me live. Please let me live. I'm so I'm kidding. I don't mean it. I am holding the mic. I am whispering. I'm, I'm serious. So, so yes, Jason. Pro murder. Okay. Uh, Don't put them all together. Pro three strikes, you're out. Pro uh, very stringent drug laws, and pro uh, the North Korean uh, authoritarian regime. That Dennis Rodman is very, very close. With. Also, don't, is that where we're getting? Don't forget. Don't forget. I also worked on the newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Time for the final four and my final episode. We have, going into the final four, we have Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling. We have Judy Garland and Vincent Minnelli. We have Cleopatra and Mark Antony. We have Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra. First up, Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling versus Judy Garland and Vincent Minnelli. What couple do you want to see back together, Jason? Uh, McAdams and Gosling, they are... Uh, name checked in Lazy Sunday, which is a piece of viral content that then kicked off the YouTube era. Mm -hmm. Phenomenally important, very talented. McAdams and Gosling. Listen, Garland and Minnelli, no shots. The Bad and the Beautiful is the best Hollywood movie about Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. Judy Garland, of you know, who, like The Wizard of Oz, love it. That said, McAdams and Gosling. So that is my final answer. Judy and Vincent will meet you in St. Louis. Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling will meet you at the finals. That's right. 
Next up, this is. I would like to see somebody uh, skip through to this part. Jason, yeah. facing off to get into the finals, we have Cleopatra and Mark Anthony versus Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra. Obviously an upset. Again, based on a clear reading of the rules, we had no choice because of their nine-day annulment. Which is the celebrity couple we'd like to see back together? And you go, for, you go first. Uh, who doesn't want to see Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra out there on the red fucking carpet? Dennis Rodman, by the way, uh, obviously, yes, to Jason's point, um, mm. I don't love his North Korean politics. Sure. Uh, but I do love his uh, gender-defying wardrobe politics in many ways ahead of his time. Yeah. Ahead of his time. Yeah. What is the name of the basketball player that wore Ramones, and I, he's very handsome, and he wears cool clothes, and, and Mitt Romney tried to heckle him when that team played the Utah Jazz Oh, come on. He's cool. Mitt Romney. Russell Westbrook. Heckle. Oh, Russell Westbrook. Okay. All I was going to say. The Ramones <laughs> thing threw me off. But yes, handsome? <laughs> it works for me, all right? And sure. you know what? I'm the expert. I, I agree. I'm the expert. That's true. I'm the expert on that. We yeah. are at the finals. Okay. And here it is for the celebrity couple. Jason and I would like to see back together in the spirit of Benefer. Bringing back that energy that we all loved when we saw them together the first time. It is. I would say this is a devil on your shoulder, angel on your shoulder moment. Do you want to see Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra? Or do you want to see Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling? What does your heart want? Wow. Are you chaotic evil or are you lawful good? Is basically the choice before you, Jason. There's too much chaotic evil in this world right now. Mm -hmm. We need lawful good. We need that. We need that pick-me-up. We need that sunshine. Uh, With all apologies to uh, McAdams and Gosling's current partners, I would like to see them back together, and I would like them to win this tournament of beloved champions. Let me just consult with the judges. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, we're going to give it to them. We're going to give it to them. You're right. Rachel, oh my God. McAdams, and Ryan. Will you announce it like uh, Don on the airplane announcing that the SEALs got Bin Laden on the newsroom? Yeah, because obviously that's uh, one of the best scenes ever written. So, yeah, I will do it like that. I'll Because that's, that's listen, if we know one thing about the world right now, the issue is that there aren't enough uh, news people telling people the news. Right. And if we just had more news people doing it. That's true. Um no, here's what I would like to do. Let's, we should, yes. Yeah. I, let's give it to them. You know what? We're going to give it to them. Maybe, add, listen, let's add some um, uh, library free notebook adjacent music plus oh, some yes. rain for Ryan love Gosling rain. and Rachel McAdams, the celebrity couple we'd love to see back together in our fantasy with no consequences for their current relationship. This is, we're not trying to actually break anybody up. That's not what we're doing here. No, we're not doing That's not what we're doing here. That's not, what we're, bit, that's not what we're doing here. A little bit, but that's not what we're doing. That's not why we came here. Right. I came here. I came here to say things that I shouldn't say sometimes. Yes, you Uh did. (laughs) I'm trying to think if there's anything more Um, I'd like to add to the list. Um, As long as I'm going to put all the worst things I've ever said into (laughs) one segment. Can't think of anything. Want to throw another? uh, Any other celebrity couples that just pop in your brain together? No? No, I don't mean it's an ad. I just would let people know that because this is a podcast that I have been eating Chick-fil-A the whole time. 
Well, the West Hollywood uh, Chick-fil-A does matching donations to LGBTQ uh, funds. I'll just say that. Okay. Okay. They do match. That's what I tell myself when I go there. Matching donations. That's what we tell ourselves. That's what we tell you. That's what we tell our favorite celebrity couple, Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling. Jason Concepcion, the greatest returning champion. Thank you so much for being here. Everybody, go subscribe to Take Line. Go subscribe to All Caps NBA. Follow him on Twitter, where every day he breaks the internet, frankly. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God. Hard to say. Yeah, I know. Hard to say. That's the fifth hard thing I've, had, I've said today. <laughs> the hard truth. <laughs> I mean, you, the hard you, truth. Came out, you came out hot, and then it's just been heat ever since. Thank you so much to Jason for joining us. When we come back, I talked to Bruce Friedrich from the Good Food Institute about fake meat and the future of meat, you know? Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. back he is the founder of the good food institute and he's coming for your burgers please welcome bruce friedrich bruce thanks for being here i'm delighted to be here love it thanks for having me um so i'm very excited i want to talk about three things i want to talk about technology i want to talk about behavior and i want to talk about branding let's take these one at a time so you wrote in the guardian last year about two big announcements that came from kfc a company who used to uh, do a fair amount of protesting. One was that they'd be selling plant-based chicken in California. The other is that they would be selling what we're going to briefly call cultivated meat, but then try to rebrand, uh, which is basically uh, meat grown from real chicken cells, but not involving any living clucking chickens in Russia. What was your reaction to these announcements and what do they say about the future of how we'll be eating meat? I think when uh, a brand as iconic uh, as KFC uh, moves toward plant-based meat and cultivated meat, love it, uh, that is a very good sign uh, because KFC is symbolic of chicken. It's synonymous with chicken. Um, and they're moving in the direction of making chicken from plants and cultivating chicken directly from cells, uh, which will pay huge positive dividends in terms of climate impact, in terms of pandemic risk, in terms of antibiotic resistance risk, and in terms of animal welfare. So it's a, a phenomenal sign, uh, we think, of things to come. So I want to take these one at a time. So there's plant-based meat. That's something companies like Beyond uh, have been doing. Impossible Burgers are an example of this. That is a kind of a step beyond the kind of traditional veggie burger. This is trying to use technology to kind of engineer something that is as good as meat, but not made from meat. And then we have cultivated meat, which is meat grown from cells of an animal, but not involving that animal. Can you talk a little bit about where each of these 
technologies is right now in terms of like, what are you betting on? Are you betting on, you know, a sommelier of smells figuring out the right combination of soy and corn to imitate meat? Or are you betting on the scientists with goggles using stem cells from a goat? Um, I think they both have critical roles to play. Uh, I think, uh, and and the thing to underline about plant-based meat uh, is this is not veggie burgers for vegetarians. This is a recognition that meat is made up of lipids, aminos, minerals, and water. Everything in meat also exists in plants. So if we hire meat scientists and chemical engineers and others, um, and we get them together and we say, hey, your charge is to make meat from plants, something that is biologically indistinguishable from meat eaters. And because it is so much more efficient, because it doesn't evolve the inefficiency of growing massive amounts of crops to feed them to animals, where the animals burn off most of what they are fed simply existing. um, Over time, we should be able to make products that are indistinguishable to meat eaters, that cost less, that are healthier, and that have a host of other uh, external costs that they don't contribute to. Uh, So for people who want to eat actual animal meat, and we think there probably are quite a few of those, cultivated meat is for them. And we think both of those are going to be necessary in the future. So there are four goals, but there's only three I care about. The fourth goal is there's maybe a way for companies that sell us meat to make more money. And like, because this can be more efficient. And that's fine. I'm glad that that can be a business model. But in terms of sort of public good, there's a climate argument. There's an antibiotic resistance argument. There's a humane argument. You know, there's been some argument that actually some of these companies aren't more efficient than just raising animals, that they're right now producing a lot of climate-related gases, that they um, aren't necessarily better for the environment. Is there any truth to that, or is that something that will change as they scale up? What do do you think about that? Well, there's just to say there's also a pandemic risk argument. The UN Environment Program last July uh, released a report called Preventing the Next Pandemic. They listed the seven most likely causes of the next pandemic. Uh, The first one was increased meat production. The second one was intensification of animals, because if you have tens of billions of animals, every single one of those animals can be a zoonotic disease vector, and that disease can jump the species barrier. And if you confine them, it depresses their immune systems, which increases that risk. So uh, with plant-based meat and cultivated meat, the risk of your meat causing the next pandemic goes from one of the top two of seven to zero. So that's another one we should look at. On the plant-based meat side, there have been life cycle analyses done um, of plant-based meat, Beyond Meat and Possible Foods. And what they find is even at the small scales that these products are produced at right now, 90% less climate change and 93 to 96% less land. So you have significantly less direct emissions, including no methane from ruminant digestion, no nitrous oxide from manure decomposition. And those are greenhouse gases that are 20 and 300 times as potent as carbon dioxide. So um, a huge environmental win Um, with cultivated meat. It's still lab scale. To achieve all this, though, it has to um, taste good. Now, I have a vision, Bruce, and here is my vision. My vision is a printer, and it spits out perfect ribeye steaks the size of pizza boxes. (laughs) Because in my vision, this doesn't just replace meat, but this actually is better, that not relying on animals, but actually kind of taking cells from animals and then using those to develop 
new processes for generating meat. That's not just going to be a substitute, but that's going to be better. How far are we right now from my ribeye printer? GFI, the, the Good Food Institute, our global battle cry is that governments and the NGO community that care about climate, that care about biodiversity, that care about global health, for the same reason governments are putting billions of dollars into renewable energy, for the same reason governments are incentivizing private sector activity in renewable energy, electrification of transport, drug development, governments should be incentivizing this shift to a better way of making meat. It is literally impossible scientifically that we meet our obligations under the Paris Agreement with regard to climate change if meat consumption continues to go up and there is no plausible theory for how meat consumption does anything other than continue to go up unless we shift to plant-based meat and cultivated meat. So if governments incentivize this, it happens a lot more quickly than if we leave it to the tender mercies of the private sector. Uh, but we're optimistic that your vision uh, can become a reality. You know, hopefully we'll create something like the space race, getting governments behind these new technologies. So as you just said, that you, there's just no plausible way to get to where we need to get to on climate unless we figure out a meat substitute. There's no way to get there. So let's talk about behavior. There's an article about that references you in the year 2000 in the New York Times in which you were protesting fur and uh, you attempted to throw red paint at a model wearing fur, which I actually don't support, especially because you didn't miss and you hit a bunch of people in the first row. This seems to be, I think, a good metaphor for the ways in which this might have not been the most effective strategy for protest. I think you hit a CNN reporter. Is that right? Well, there was no intention to hit anyone, but I was, uh, I was tackled. Um, so the, the idea was that I would jump into the runway um, and then uh -huh. myself, and I had a sign. Oh, oh, oh okay, good, good. Um, I got good. tackled, um, and the red paint went sort of flying everywhere. So, uh, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It's street theater. I do think you've come a long way. Like, I do think there's a, if you can't beat them, kind of join them vibe to what you're doing now, which is like, all right, I want to make a more humane world. I want to have, make, have the biggest impact in reducing climate change, reducing terrible abuse of animals. Now that I think fairly should continue to involve protesting abuses in factory farming, protesting abuses by corporations. But you're making a concerted effort here to say, you know what, if I want to reduce the number of animals that are killed, hurt, held in terrible circumstances, the best way to do that is to beat meat, not try to stop meat. Uh, is that a fair reading of what you've come to learn? Like, do you kind of now see the best way out here in terms of behavior is not getting people to stop eating it as nice as that would be, but finding replacements for people? Yeah, we frame it in terms of transformation rather than disruption. Um, and we take it maybe even a, a step further than you just elucidated. Uh, we believe that Tyson and JBS and Smithfield and Cargill can be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Um, and we would like to see them transform how meat is made. So the big meat companies and the big food companies, they are in the business of producing as much protein as possible, as profitably as possible. Um, and all of the five biggest meat companies, as well as ADM and Nestle, two of the biggest food companies in the world, um, are moving in the direction of plant-based meat. And multiple of them have also invested in cultivated meat startups which we see as a phenomenally good sign. So at GFI, we're not actually coming for anybody's burger, you know, further to what you said at the beginning, we're focused on producing meat from plants and cultivating it from cells 
so that it simply becomes what people want to eat. This isn't about convincing people to change their behavior. Let's meet people where they are and make products that taste the same or better and that cost the same or less. And just like renewable energy becomes how we power our lives or just like electric cars become the cars that consumers want to buy, meat from plants and meat cultivated from cells just become meat. There's a way in which this issue of cultivated a plant-based meat has scrambled some kind of identity-based lines. You talk about the importance of not really labeling this as vegetarian, not really highlighting that this is different, but letting people think of it as meat. At the same time, in Texas, some Republicans have tried to go the other way. They're trying to make sure we label this because they don't want people to discover that they like it. And I, I can't remember if it's impossible or beyond, but one of them decided to do something that I thought was really smart, which is an ad campaign about basically saying, are you afraid you'll like it? Uh, which I think kind of got at this distinction. But underneath all this is a branding question about how people think about meat, whether they think of it as a replacement, a substitute, an alternative. How do you talk about this? This is good for farmers. It moves people away from get big or get out. This is good for workers in rural America. Slaughterhouse jobs are about the worst jobs in America. This is high value, high paying, excellent jobs in meat production. More than 70% of solar panels purchased in the United States are made in China. Uh, the U.S. has four lithium ion battery production factories in the United States. There are 93 in China. In 10 years, the U.S. is going to have 10 lithium ion battery factories. China's going to have 140. So the American Jobs Plan, it's one jobs, two infrastructure, and three out innovate China. This is the future of meat. And then the question is, do we want to import all of our meat from China? Or do we want to keep that production in the United States? That should be um, appealing to Republicans because the two options are not status quo and plant-based and cultivated meat. The two options are the same as the options with solar panels and electric vehicles. Do we want it to happen in the US or do we want to export that production someplace else? In terms of nomenclature, we like the term cultivated meat. Uh, you cultivate cultivated meat in a cultivator. Uh, that seems to work. Um, and then plant-based meat, it is meat made from plants, similar to, you know, ice um, is no longer artificial ice, just because it's made, you know, in your ice maker and not pulled out of a lake. Um, if the meat is indistinguishable to the consumer, uh, it's cultivated meat or it's plant-based meat. I feel like we can beat cultivated meat. All right. I'm just going to tell you, I just feel like we can beat it. I don't I like it's better than lab grown. I don't like, I think we all realize lab grown is bad. What are our alternatives for cultivated meat? I'm trying to set, look, I'm trying to move cultivated meat here. I'm on board. I am your biggest booster. And I think cultivated meat, here's why I think we can do better. I feel like the best name is going to be one that through its assertion of why it's good is inextricably tied to why the alternative isn't as good. Barack Obama represented change. Implicit in that is that the other person doesn't. What are some alternatives for cultivated meat? What are some words? How did we land on this? I want to brainstorm with you. I think we can beat this. It was called clean meat for a while. Mm -hmm. um, the problem with your theory, though, is we really do want the Tysons and Cargills and JBSs and Smithfields right. um, to see this as the future. So when we were calling it clean meat previously, the idea was that like clean energy is clean energy. This is you know, better for the planet, lower climate impact. 
um, so it's clean meat. But obviously, the you know the flip of that, um, a lot of people heard dirty meat. Uh, but it was interesting. I mean, in the early days when it was being called clean meat, that's what USDA was calling it. That's what the CEO of Cargill and Tyson were calling it. Then somebody pointed out the sort of flip side of that and, and folks moved away. Right, right, right. Ah, this is a tough one. Yeah, we used a marketing firm. Uh, we landed on cultivated. Um, a lot of other folks use cultured. Cultured, no. Cultured sucks. Cultured sucks. It evokes Petri dishes and it's not the answer. Cultivated is better. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm happy to continue to brainstorm, but uh, I want to be brought. I want to be brought in. I've seen the research. I believe I've seen the research. I see how you landed on cultivated. I just not. I'm not totally sure we've cracked it. Okay. All right. I just like to be brought into the process. All right. I'd like to be brought into the process. Final question: Have you had cultivated meat? How much cultivated meat have you sampled? It's like the flavor version of when a bit of solar is cheaper than a bit of coal. Like there's a point at which that we cross the flavor threshold. There's no reason cultivated meat can't taste better than meat as it is right now. So have you had it? How was it? Pat Brown from Impossible Foods likes to talk about the fact that uh, with current meat production, you have the limits of the biology of the animals, whereas with cultivated meat and with plant-based meat, you can get to taste the same and move into better fairly quickly. Yeah. And you also need to get to cost the same or less. Um, and that should also happen. Uh, with cultivated meat, yes, I have had cultivated meat, you know, probably uh, eight or 10 times from, uh, I think, four different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it tastes exactly like animal meat. So uh, which is, you know, they've, they've got the taste the same or better down with cultivated meat because it's the exact same product, uh, just produced in a different way. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I will say there's a third piece of this too with meat because we don't care what our solar panels look like, but that Israeli company that was pumping out those steaks, it was a little uncanny valley. All right. We're not there yet. All right. Let's just be honest about it. All right. I want, they need to look delicious too. I completely agree. Yes. It needs to be the entire precise meat experience from start to finish or better. (laughs) I mean, the first cultivated meat company was called Upside Foods, previously called Memphis Meats. Um, they're literally less than six years old. So also most of meat is less than six years old. So we are very early days uh, in this endeavor. There's no reason uh, that these products can't taste the same or better and cost the same or less, but it's not easy. So that's why we need governments involved. I'm going to up my goal. I'm going to change my vision. It's now perfect Kobe steaks, the size of pizza boxes, just rolling off a printer being packaged, just ready to go. All right. That's our goal. All right. Give me a year estimate. That's our moonshot. 10 years. 10 years is aggressive. We should wake up tomorrow. um, And the community that cares about biodiversity and climate, as well as pandemic risk and antibiotic resistance risk, like these communities, which put vast resources and at the government level, billions of dollars into research and development um, and private sector incentives like China could make this happen pretty quickly. China has food safety issues. They have food security issues. They want to be a global leader in the Paris Agreement. So China should throw down the gauntlet and start churning this stuff out and put a bunch of their labs at the disposal of uh, plant-based and cultivated meat. Um, if they did that, yeah, 10 years could happen. Uh, but I think what you are envisioning uh, is a little further out than that. <laughs> and I want it on American assembly line. So I, I do think that when we think about investing in technology to stop climate change, we talk a lot about energy production. We talk a lot about efficiency. We talk a lot about infrastructure. 
And we talk about the, the pollution that's caused by animal farming, but we don't talk enough about these kinds of technologies and investing in the research into these kinds of technologies that will be so important. So thank you, Bruce Friedrich, for being here from the Good Food Institute. He's not coming for your burgers. He's replacing them with better burgers that are more humane, climate-friendly, anti-pandemic, anti-antibiotic resistance, no guilt. This is what I want, Bruce. I just want to eat unlimited amounts of steak and chicken without the little cloud of guilt that hangs over me all the time. Bruce Friedrich, thank you so much. Thanks, love it. When we come back, we test a listener on an aspect of the Olympics, um, you know, not usually uh, subject to this level of scrutiny, to be honest. And we're back. The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, the coziness of my couch where I immediately fall asleep when I put on NBC because their primetime coverage is like 10 seconds of sports in between 20 minutes of ads. We get it. Overcome the odds like Katie Ledecky with State Farm. You know, 20 minutes at a time. <laughs> but maybe you're a diehard, catching kayaking on your laptop or watching water polo on your phone and streaming Simone Biles bravely quit on your TV. I'm sorry. I don't mean it. That was not. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't exist yet, Quinn. You haven't been introduced, all right? So when I make a joke that's going to get me canceled, all right, you zip it, all right? You just let it happen. But how well do you really know the Olympics? In a game we're calling Screamwork Makes the Dream Work, our guest will have to match the Olympic grunt or scream with the proper sport. The idea of someone playing this game with audio of me at the gym just sent a chill up my spine, but these are professional grunts. These are gold medal screams. So I am joined now by Quinn. Hi, Quinn. Hello. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I mean, my, my, I obviously don't, that was just a little joke, right? People know I'm, I'm kidding. I support the difficult decision to, you get it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People get it. Yeah. People come to this. They know, they know where I am generally. Yeah. Do you think? Think it'll be yeah. fine? Okay. Yeah. So Quinn, have you been watching the, uh, the Olympics? Yes, I have. And so I was just say. If, like the diehard fans get the TV subscription, the cord cutter, and then you go on NBC Olympics, you watch it on replay or watch it live. You know, you don't have to deal with what channel is it on? Is it on USA or is it on NBC? You can just do it on NBC Olympics. Wow. Well, so these, this is not only a fun game. Those are great tips. Those are great tips. Quinn, quit stalling. All right. <laughs> Sick of this shit. You insulted me during the introduction. I didn't insult you. Yes, you did. Don't tell me how to feel, all right? Okay, My I'm feelings sorry. are valid. Yes, you, yes, they are. <laughs> Let's start off with a scream. What sport do you think this shriek is from? Was that basketball or volleyball? Volleyball. That's right. It's the U.S. women's volleyball team winning their game against China thanks to 34 points scored by Jordan Thompson and a ton of cathartic team screams. Next up, we have an Olympic grunt. Tell me. Does this grunt feel more like softball or tennis? I'm going to say tennis. Unfortunately, that's incorrect. It was a softball grunt. That, that grunt is courtesy of the U.S. women's softball team who did lose the gold to Japan. Next up, this may be my favorite scream since it's a classic Olympic underdog scream. With that hint, which sport do you think this scream is from? Is it water polo or swimming? I'm going to say swimming. That's right. That incredible howls from Tunisian swimmer Ahmed Hafnawi, who won the men's 400-meter gold despite, being, despite being ranked 16th and almost completely ignored by the commentators. Yeah. Shameful. He came in as eighth seed. He barely seed. made it. He was on the eighth lane. Eighth lane. The worst lane. Do you watch swimming? Do, do you watch do, swimming? I watch swimming. 
All right, from time to time. All right. I watch swimming and I think, does swimming choose the bodies or do the bodies choose the swimming? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you put, like, because right now I am not, uh, shall we say, an ectomorph. And I, like a Phelps, as it were. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, like, had somebody thrown me in a pool and said, uh, this is your life now. Whether you eat depends on what happens here. Would I have longer limbs now, Quinn? Yes or no? Quinn? Uh, no. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Uh, next up, we have, you guessed it, a grunt. This one's uh, kind of easy, okay? Or is it? Is this grunt from handball or table tennis? Table tennis. You got it. You got it. Great job, Quinn. That is, of course, as you correctly surmised, from Japan's gold-winning mixed doubles table tennis match against China. Upset. Great job. It was an upset. Did you know that? You know this match? Yeah. You really are a diehard. Yeah. That's cool. You really know your Olympics. Yeah. I've been watching. I, like, stay up and watch this. Like, tonight, I plan to stay up from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. to watch all the women's soccer games. Or I guess tomorrow morning, I guess. But, you know. That warms my heart so much <laughs> to know that you are going to be there watching these events. For all, for me, for all of us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being there for Team USA. I turned to Ronan. Ronan and I were debating whether or not to watch the Olympics. Because it is hard because you just turn it on. You never know if you're going to get 40 minutes of sports or 40 minutes yeah. of, like, inspirational conversations with people whose great skill is not sitting in an interview. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah great entertainment. So I had this moment where I turned to Ronan and I was like, are we going to watch Harry Potter or are we going to be fucking patriots? You know what I mean? <laughs> Next up, we got a real special one. This is special. All right. It's sort of a grunt into a howl. Kind of spooky. All right. Let's hear the grunt. Was that from tennis or handball, Quinn? I'm going to say handball. Incorrect. That was tennis star oh. Novak Djokovic scoring against Germany's okay. Jan Leonard Struff and apparently becoming some kind of a of a werewolf. <laughs> he's a he's a character. What's the what's the Latin for a werewolf? It's like uh lupus something. Yes, something lupin lupin. Yeah, didn't you take like 8 years of Latin or something? No. Took 0 um, years I, of Latin. I did see a Harry Potter where that was involved. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you took Latin. That's so <laughs> I sweet. Know better. Speaking of you should. <laughs> Speaking of animals, here's a grunt. Where's it from? Some equestrian thing. You're right. <laughs> Keep going. Dressage. You got it. It was. That was a horse. Yes. That was a horse that helped some human win a silver medal, but I think deserves to be called a medal winner. Yeah. Why do the humans get the medal? I don't know. Because the horses are the ones who are dancing yeah. or whatever they're doing. Then on the other hand, we don't give the medals to the bobsleds, <laughs> you know, we give them to the people. You know what I mean? Bobsleds are not animate. They don't have names. You don't name your bobsled. Okay. That's what conveys a soul to you? (laughs) Weird. Quinn's weird. What is this scream? (laughs) What's that scream? Why it's someone winning the triathlon or the discus? Okay. The discus hasn't happened yet because track and field is week two. So it has to be the triathlon. Fucking show off. (laughs) Yes, that was Norway's Christian Blumfeldt winning the men's triathlon I'm just sort of glad we uh, cut the audio before he started barfing on the track. Yeah, he had to be wheelchaired off. It was ridiculous because it was so hot and humid. You haven't missed a goddamn beat of this thing. I told you. What are you? Are you sitting in some sort of command center? Are you like NORAD watching this? How many screens are we dealing with? Just what? They do things at the same time. How are you catching all of it? 
You watched, I told you, NBC Olympics full replays. You don't have to listen to any inspirational crap. You can play it at 2x speed. You can fast forward through all the people talking and just watch the sports. Final question, Quinn. We've got for you a twofer, which is an Olympic term. Can you tell what sport this grunt and this scream is from? That was the grunt. Now let's hear the scream. Well, Quinn, final question. Was that judo or was that boxing? Judo. Ah. That was Spain's Emmanuel Reyes bringing us home with a knockout win in the men's heavyweight boxing tournament. Quinn, I just want you to know something. We've played a lot of games in this show. Yes. And at the end of every game, somebody wins. All right? Some of those winners, honestly, they were bumbling oafs. All right? (laughs) I don't want to criticize some of the people that have come on the show too much all right i love them all mm-hmm. but some of them honestly they couldn't get anything going all right mm-hmm. they seemed barely awake they, they didn't understand what we were doing here I had coffee before this you came in here all right mm-hmm. all right and you absolutely crushed it yes. you know everything about the olympics you you know some people say things like oh i'm obsessed with that and it just means they saw it once you know what i mean uh-huh. like i'm i'm obsessed with them no <laughs> you are a fan who is paying attention, all right? You are watching the Olympics. You are supporting your team. You are keeping up. You know what's going on, all right? And I want you to know something. I have great admiration for you, Quinn, all right? And every future contestant in one of these games, all right, they may be declared a winner, all right? But they will be compared against a great, all right? The Simone Biles of Love It or Leave It, who showed up, frankly, uh... (laughs) I did it again. I can't stop doing it because I know it's it's risky. You know, I know it's, it's touching the stove. It's a Freudian death drive. And I just can't stop myself because people have been such performative, treacly kind of tweeters about it. You know what I mean? That's Your all true fans know. They Your know. true fans Thank know. Thank you. Thank you. The Simone Biles of Love It or Leave It, Quinn from San Diego. So lovely to see you. When we come back, <laughs> we'll end on a high note. And we're back because we all need it this week. Here it is, the high note. Hey, love it. This is Mike from Tampa, Florida. I am a high school math teacher, and I teach in an advanced magnet program. The last year has been really crazy, teaching simultaneous hybrid online in class, algebra and pre-calculus and geometry, and that's a mess. But for the first time ever in my school's uh, history, our magnet program had a 100% diploma rate, and... uh that's really incredible and has gotten me really excited for the upcoming school year. So uh, thanks for everything you do. Hey, love it. This is Steven in Rochester. And my high note this week is a literal high note. I play in the symphony orchestra here in Rochester. And for the first time in a year and a half, we are playing concerts again in front of live audiences. And we could not have done this without the support of our patrons and our fans here in Rochester. And we are all just thrilled to be making music in front of human beings again. Thanks to all you guys at Crooked, and keep up the good work. Hey, love it. This is Roxanne in Neptune, New Jersey. My high note this week is that after 25 long years, I'm finally eligible for applying for my citizenship. I've done everything. I've been a DACA recipient. I've been a dreamer all this time. And finally, I'm able to apply for citizenship. My application was received, and now I am studying for my civics exam, which is a little bit laughable since I've been volunteering and writing postcards and phone banking and doing all the things to help our democracy along the way. Thank you for your work. 
for everyone at Crooked, for everyone who calls in with their high notes every week and keep me motivated. Have a great week. Be well. Take care of yourself. Thank you to everybody who called in. And I just want to say that I have been so appreciating the high notes that everybody has been leaving. They are uh, moving and funny and charming. And uh, I'm just really appreciative of everybody who calls them in. And if you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, you can call us at 740-298-5880. Thank you to Rain Wilson, Reza Oslan, Bruce Friedrich, Jason Concepcion, The Whistle Guy, and ever and everybody who called in. There are 465 days until the 2022 midterm election. Have a great weekend. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our senior producer. Hallie Kiefer is our head writer. Jocelyn Kaufman, Pallavi Ganalan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Bill Lance is our editor. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Marissa Meyer, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Nar Malkonian and Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote for filming and editing video each week so you can.